0: I had an awesome teacher when I went over to Rome for the first time to study. I didn't know a single word of Italian. A lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, ooh, wow, you were... That's, you're so lucky you got to go to Rome and you get the gelato and the cappuccinos and the Italian pasta and wow, you were just so lucky. And I'm like, yeah, that's part of it, the times when you're actually able to get out from behind your desk and go see and do something and eat something. Half the time, you're there in front of an Italian-English dictionary for the first six months to a year. And when I arrived over there, we had this intensive course, try to cram as much study of Italian as you can and there you go the best thing to start studying is philosophy and that's what we did so philosophy in Italian and I had this awesome teacher over there he was a priest from England and he knew that we were absolutely clueless he taught introduction to philosophy and he would look out and he would just see this glazed look on all of our faces as we're (laughs) you know feverishly copying down definitions from our English Italian dictionary and not understanding a thing he's saying and he was great because he gave us the questions that were going to be on the exam before the exam. He realized, you know, these guys, if I don't help them out, they are absolutely, totally going to bomb this thing. Imagine coming over and you're like, okay, we're going to do this, we can do this. You study Italian all summer. You take your first exam and it's like, F. He didn't want that. so. Real nice guy, Paul Hafner was his name, Father Paul Hafner, and he would tell us, he would say, okay, now you can't tell anyone else in the university, but these are the questions to my exam, right? How cool is that? I mean, those are the teachers that we want, right? As kids, we're like, yeah, I want the teacher that tells me the questions that are going to be on the exam. Awesome. Today, we arrive, like I said at the beginning, at the end of our church year, the Feast of Christ the king. Last year I explained the history behind that feast. This year I want to go more into the gospel, the word of God itself, right? So I'm going to test your memory. If you don't remember what I said last year, it's probably because I said the nine o'clock mass, so you have an excuse. Don't worry. (laughs) So... The end, as I said, the end of the church year should come as no surprise that last Sunday and this Sunday, we have some pretty rough, tough gospel passages. Last Sunday, we have the parable of the talents, and the master goes away, gives his talents to his servants, goes away, and returns after a long time. Jesus Christ, who ascends into heaven, and now we've been waiting for 2,000 years for him to return and he comes back and he reckons with his servants and the one who doesn't invest the one who fearfully buries that money in the ground gets that money taken away from him and is cast out of the kingdom this Sunday things get even rougher this Sunday we not only get this vague notion of yeah I have to invest This tremendous talent that God has given me, and God is going to judge me at the end how I've used that talent. No, today it gets even more specific. Today, Jesus Christ is giving us the questions that are going to be on the final exam. And guess what? It is the most important exam that you will ever take in your life. Right? You'll actually take it once you're dead, but anyway. It's going to be the most important exam you're ever going to take, Right? Is when you're face to face before Jesus Christ and he examines your life. This is a powerful, rough gospel. And I think a lot of times we hear it and we're like, ooh, ouch. And then we just kind of put it away and we go home. But we have to remember Jesus Christ is not a liar. If he says, this is what judgment is going to look like, we kind of have to believe him. Otherwise, what on earth are we doing here this evening? We can't pick and choose with Jesus Christ. In tonight's gospel, Jesus says we will be judged at the end of our life according to how I've treated the people that I've come across in my life let that sink in I will be judged on how I treated the people that I have known that's a rough thing right? and when I preach I'm also preaching to myself and it gets worse the more people that you know <laughs> you're gonna be judged on more people that you've mistreated, right? But we all have to think and say, okay, all those people, oh my gosh, that's seriously how I'm going to be judged? And tonight, I don't want to leave it just on that generic level because, yeah, we've all heard the gospel. We're all intelligent people. We all, hopefully, it entered and it stuck. I want to pull out a few tidbits of tonight, tonight's gospel, that can help us just go a little bit deeper so it's not this vague I have to treat people well, that's what Jesus is going to judge me on. The first nugget that I want to leave you with tonight is Jesus Christ, right, is going to judge me on how I have treated the least of my brothers. What does that mean? Jesus Christ... The degree to which I love Jesus Christ is measured by how much I love the person I like the least. Let me repeat that. I love Jesus as much as I love the person I like the least. Things just got a little bit worse, didn't they? (laughs) Right? And it's important for that to sink in. Why? Because don't confuse feelings with love. We hear this commandment to love those around us, to treat well those that are around us. Jesus Christ is not commanding a feeling. He's not saying we need to like everyone. He's not saying we need to feel ushy-gushy about everyone and that's how we're going to be judged and we all need to go out of this church going, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to hell or something because I don't like people. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, those that I like the least, love them anyway. Work for their good anyway. Sometimes their good means I have to leave them alone and simply pray for them. Sometimes working for their good means just a kind little word whenever I see the window or the door open. Sometimes working for their good is those people that annoy me, but I know they need my help. The first nugget is to see that Jesus Christ is identifying himself with the people I like the least. Whatever you did to the least of these You did it to me. And that leads us to the second nugget. You did it to me. And I know I mentioned this last year. Through the words of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, when someone asked her, what drives you to do the charity that you do? And she took this person's hand in hers, and she said, you did it to me. Notice, Jesus Christ didn't say, it's as if you did it to me, or I really like humanity, please don't Please be nice to them because I really like them. No, Jesus Christ says, whatever you do to them, you are doing it literally to me. And that's a mystery. Jesus Christ has identified himself to such a degree with humanity by becoming man that he now associates himself to such a degree that whatever I do to every single person, it is literally done to Jesus Christ. It blows our mind that Jesus Christ has associated himself to that degree with humanity, my brothers and sisters. That's the second nugget. We're not called to be nice because Jesus wants us to be nice to these people over there. Whatever we do to them is done to Jesus Christ. And the third nugget, and I think this is the hopeful nugget, both the righteous on his right, even though this is my left, and the unrighteous, the goats who are on Jesus' left, neither of them realized that they were doing it to Jesus Christ, to the Lord. Remember, he rewards those people on the right, and he says, "Come to inherit the kingdom because you clothed me, you fed me, you gave me to drink." And they're like. When did we ever give you to drink and feed you and comfort you and clothe you and visit you? I don't need, in every moment, to know and feel. Oh, this is Jesus Christ in front of me. Okay, I have to keep that in my mind. Okay, I got, I got. To hold on to it. Hold on to it. Okay, now my act of charity worked. No, Jesus Christ says, even if you don't even realize it, do it anyway. Love, give, nurture, take care of those around you. That's what I am going to judge you on. Don't worry about it if you realize it or not, or if you have the intention or not, or you feel like it or not, or you feel ushy or gushy or not. He says, do it because you're doing it to me. And I want to leave you with one last nugget. It's easy to read this gospel and think of the material stuff. I have to feed, I have to give drink, I have to visit, I have to clothe, I have to take care of the poor, I have to help my neighbor when he wants to put up Christmas lights. It's, we, we think of the stuff. But I would invite you to think, at, think of the deeper level. Jesus Christ always cares about the spiritual before the human. The material level do I feed those who are hungry for God's word do I give drink to those who are thirsting for a relationship with Jesus Christ do I clothe those who have been stripped by this world that offers false promises of happiness Do I visit those who are imprisoned in the slavery of their sins? Do I do these things? Do I share the faith with others? My brothers and sisters, I think that's the deeper level of tonight's gospel. That is what we are going to be judged on. That is the talent that we're called to invest. How do I treat my brothers and sisters on the material level? How do I deal with my brothers and sisters on the spiritual? Do I bring faith to those that are strangers in the faith?